It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. That's our aim today, folks. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host and one of the financial planners on the show, along with my fellow financial planners and colleagues over at KFG, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Yeah, you wouldn't know it, but we are turning 100 today. That's right. We're celebrating the 100th anniversary of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, and we're doing so by sharing some of our show highlights and special announcements with you. And then, as always, we're going to answer some listener questions. And speaking of your questions, you can submit questions to us. I would love to hear from you and hear what's boggling you in your financial life. Reach out to us. Go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right as well as catch up on previous episodes. You could also give us a call, 574-222-2000. And lastly, you can submit questions or just follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Wise Money Radio. Okay, happy birthday, guys. Happy birthday. Or happy anniversary, I think, as Kevin said. It, it, we're not, we're kind of turning 100. It's the 100th episode of the Wise Money Show. You don't look a day over 150, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. Well, speaking of, and actually there's a real happy birthday wish going out to our own Josh Gregory. Uh, uh, very, you. you know, you you are looking a little older, by yep. the way. but Middle uh, age, baby. So thank you for being with us on this journey, this Wise Money experiment. It's our 100th episode. I thought the station would have turned us off after about two, but yet we've stuck around. And thank you so much for being with us. You know, the whole show started with an idea about how we can elevate, increase the financial IQ of our community, help everyone get a little bit better, a little more comfortable with their finances. Well, that's right. And the way that we do that all day, every day in our day jobs is through something that we call comprehensive financial planning. We we call it the wise money process, but it's a values-based approach to making better financial decisions. And that hopefully sounds familiar to all of our long-term listeners because in every episode, our intention is to point you towards financial planning mm-hmm. and taking a more integrated approach to your decision-making. That's why we're always talking about those six key areas of financial planning, those six key disciplines of your finances. So hopefully uh, we're bringing a little bit of our daily life into this show and inspiring you to take that type of approach in your own life. Yeah, when I graduated from Central Michigan University in May of 1993, I wanted to change the world. Go Chips. Fire up Chips. So... (laughs) That's what I wanted to do, and I didn't realize that I would only be given a very small corner of the world, but we do want to change the world, and we're trying to do it one financial life at a time. And one of the reasons why we started this radio show and we're continuing to do so is that as far as we can tell, there's no reason why we couldn't live in the most financially literate community in the world. And we there's no reason why we couldn't live in a, in a community that was responding to a very complicated and uncertain world 
and was prepared for what was to come because the 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 rate of change and the rate of complexity just is increasing 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 and so what we are trying to do in this complicated world is bring a voice of simplicity and financial wisdom so that people can have peace of mind because we live here we want this to be an amazing place to be you came up with or maybe you stumbled upon a term for that, didn't you? It made you sound really trendy. Yeah, well, so... <laughs> That's a fridge. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever <laughs> used that word to describe you before, but... Well, if you spent much time with me, you would know I am always flashing the latest trends of 1985. Socks with sandals, folks. Socks with sandals. That's the, that's the truth. Go ahead. Hey, Go no, ahead. Come on. I, and I got some white socks on today with my dress shoes, so take that. Oh, fabulous. I love it. So, but yeah, the, so the term that I heard was uh, a, a VUCA world. And I thought, what is a VUCA world? And so I was actually uh, at in Chicago uh, for a day-long coaching meeting and uh, my coach is the strategic coach and I've been affiliated with them on and off since 1997 but the, I heard the term being in a VUCA world and VUCA if you google it V-U-C-A VUCA world you'll learn that it stands for volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous and, and I, that's our world. That right now, certainly right? is today's world, especially in light of, of finances, but just in life in general. And and how do you navigate that volatile, uncertain uh, that that world financially? Yeah. And and that uh, just saying that saying those four words together: volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, creates a little excess stomach acid and a little heartburn. And and but. Here's the thing that's exciting to me is every day when I get out of bed, I know I'm going to come to work to a place where we have a system that provides stability in a VUCA world. Well, and that's what we, that's what we want this space to be for you folks, the Wise Money Show. We, we want you to come, just like Josh said, we want you to hear simple and consistent feedback advice as to how to approach your financial decisions, what some creative, potentially creative solutions could be to what's going on with you, and really point you to a certified financial planner who can give you a, a comprehensive approach. Now, we are always trying to improve the show, and at these kind of mile markers, if you will, I like to mention what's on the horizon, and so we've got a few exciting announcements. First one, I teased it out a few weeks ago, but it's real, folks. This is real. You can submit a question now via text message. And uh, that's what I use my phone most for. So you can text your questions now. Moving forward from today, this moment, I would love for a few of you to test it out. You can text 574-222-2000. Put your name at the front of it as well as where you live, your age, and then just state your question right there. And we'll be able to answer it on, on an upcoming show. Second thing that's exciting right now, we are actually recording this very show right now. We are working on being able to live stream each episode. Now, we're, gonna, we're not going to live stream this one. We're recording it. We're testing out the package and so on. But uh, that is an exciting enhancement. Um, I know Kevin's a big fan of Rush Limbaugh, watches uh, a lot of his, um, his shows. Dave Ramsey does that as well. We, we want to bring that level of engagement to you also. Speaking of engagement, we've had the Wise Money blog for a long time now. Um, there hasn't been much posted to it recently, but that's because in enhancements in the works, we're going to be posting our first updated blog here within the coming weeks and then uh, hopefully a higher level of content 
from there moving forward. And then lastly, directly to the website, corhorn.com and wisemoneyradio.com, we're going to have more educational videos coming up. That's a little bit of a precursor, um, but more educational videos, more podcasts. We're going to be creating a lot more content for you to engage and really help you have clarity in a VUCA world. So lastly, before we get on to some additional questions and and, and so on, um, at these, again, at these mile markers, we've been, this is our 100th episode. I thought we'd just create a little space for sharing some highlights of the first 100 shows. Yeah, I think one of the, th- the highlights for me, which almost could be an announcement, is that we are coming to you live recorded from the... KFG studio. I've recorded. <laughs> yeah, I know what you meant. Okay, <laughs> I think most. I don't know. I tr- I drank the truth serum this morning. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> yeah, we've got an updated studio. I, I failed to mention that. Right. In so so we are at the the KFG studios at the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group in Granger, Indiana, and we at used to record with Casey at the radio station. Yep. And we've now been promoted to KFG Studios <laughs> here at the World Headquarters. Pushed out. No, I'm just kidding. No, Squeezed no, out. We, we wanted to be able to do more podcasting, more videos. We wanted to, everything I just mentioned of how we want to elevate the show and bring it to you in more ways and better ways is exactly how we dreamed up and why we dreamed up having a space right here, a studio right here. I thought it was because Kevin wanted to do this in his pajamas. (laughs) And his white socks. (laughs) He felt strange showing up at the station. Oh, that's funny. Well, it it is exciting. And as we've seen these things that were just kind of a gleam in our eye and an idea come to fruition, it's been exciting to watch. I think one of the most exciting things to me is I've gone out to stop in on a Saturday at Weaver uh, Lawn and Ag to get my equipment repaired, and they say, hey, we listened to you this morning. Yep. And that is that that has just been a great encouragement to me to say, hey, we are stirring up the community to start the conversation about their financial life and get some things done. It does feel like there's we're gaining some traction in the community, which is exciting. That, that's the whole goal. That's the whole purpose. So this is the 100th episode of the Wise Money Show. We are happy to be celebrating it with you. Coming up, we're going to turn the concept of turning 100 on its head and actually talk about finances. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. As always, special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. If you have a question, text us, 574-222-2000, or give us a call if you're driving. You know, don't text with that thing while you're driving. You can also reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com, to submit a question. We would love to address it on an upcoming show. If you're just joining us, folks, this is our 100th episode of Wise Money. They didn't kick us off. We're still going, going strong and a lot of momentum building. Before we get into your questions, we're just taking a moment to recap some of our favorite highlights from the first 100 episodes. Yeah, and Mike, you said keep it interesting, and this is very interesting to me, so I'll share. <laughs> so we, we, Mike and Josh and I are owners at Corhorn Financial Group, and every year in September, we take a, a couple of days and we do some strategic planning and in 2012 we did 
uh, some strategic planning. We talked about how we were going to change the world and how we were going to impact our community. And we said, you know what? There are people that are never going to darken our door. They're never going to come into Corhorn Financial Group, which is fine. But how do we reach those people? How do we encourage them? How do we educate them? How do we stir them up to the next right wise financial step? And we said we agreed that we'd have to probably change the medium that we were using, mm. which really. Um, so we said, hey, let's do a radio show. And we set a goal of starting the radio show by 2018. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I had a well, dinner. Well, the studio came to us, really. I mean, God just kind of planted it, put it in our laps Yeah, I had, uh, quite a, a couple years before that. Yeah, I had dinner, uh, a dinner with Casey Hendrickson. And I Who waited. Yeah, I waited until <laughs> there was there was a group of people in this at this dinner. It was one of these things that he hosted at Monterey Mexican Grill, and so I waited until after everyone had gone, and I approached him and I said, "Hey, Casey, I'm not stalking you, but I need you to help me because I think we're supposed to do a radio show." And, and so his his crazy radar was was off the charts, right? I mean, he called the bodyguards <laughs> in. Right. And, uh, no, but Casey is quite possibly one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. And he said, "Yep, that's great. Uh, I'm all for it. I'll help you in any way I can." And he has been that guy from the very beginning. Yep. Very supportive, very encouraging, very helpful, especially with this the stuff that he knows because he's a radio guy and we are not. We are not And so it has been, and just one of my highlights, if you were going to ask me what what one of my highlights was, was the second show we ever recorded. And we recorded that show. It was Mike and me and Ted Foster. And Casey. And Casey. Casey was the host at the time. Yep. And it was a show about Medicare and Medicare planning. One of our most helpful shows out there. Yeah. And one of the most downloaded podcasts yep. that we have. And because folks that are closing in on 65 have to get completely reeducated on their health insurance. But the thing that was exciting to me about that show and why it was a highlight was because after we recorded the first show, I was fairly confident that we had made a colossal mistake (laughs) and we had committed to at least doing this thing for a year and they said hey you guys really need to do it for three years before you can even make any kind of decision on whether or not you can stay on the air or any of these things and so so we're still on probation then in other words (laughs) yes double secret probation and um uh kind of like oj so um man anyway well, I, I had a quick highlight that I want to mention that we, we need to keep going. But we had a question a couple of months back from listener Justin. And, and, and I, this question really stood out to me. And it, I, I think, provided a little evidence that maybe we are gaining traction. People are listening. And, and I'll just quickly restate some of the highlights of, of his question. He was a young gentleman, recently married, uh, just bought his first home, had a financial advisor and all of that. And, and, but he, he mentioned something in his question. One was that he was implementing some of Josh's advice about making a top 50 list of things you want to do before you have kids and how they made that list and they were working on it. And I thought, that is a wise and humble person to think about that. And then just said, hey, what advice would you give financially or just in life for a 26-year-old? And and I loved I, I, the, the whole discussion. I thought that was 
that was the essence of the Wise Money Show. We were talking about finances, but they were also talking about life because folks, finances intersect with life, right? You've got to embrace where they intersect and have harmony between them. So I, that that que- that question and then how we discussed it was a highlight of mine. So awesome! You know, one of the the best compliments that our show has received came from someone who's a listener in the Fort Wayne area, and um, the the feedback was that he listens to other financial shows, but he loves this one. He loves Wise Money because we go into depth on subjects. Mm-hmm. It's not just surfacey stuff and he feels like he's actually learning things that he can implement in his life. And I go back to that that compliment on a regular basis because it kind of fuels the fire in me to make sure that we're preparing well for a show that gives you stuff that you can actually implement. Well, it, that's a good segue because we're, we're about to get deep, folks, but I, I also always ask for your feedback as well as questions. So if that's some feedback we got that was helpful, we've had some other feedback that helps steer us in a different direction as well. So if you have feedback, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. So here's where we're going deep before we get into questions. This whole issue of turning 100, the 100th episode, here's my question. Are you going to live to age 100? You don't have much control over that. We talk about having a long life with our clients all the time, and it usually elicits two responses. One, I got this week, and it was, come on, young man. Come on, fellas. That's not going to happen. We shouldn't plan that far. Uh, However, statistically, people live, what is it, Josh, six years longer than what they expect? That's the study I've heard, that what you think you're going to live to adds six years to it. The other response that we get from folks is, oh, gosh, I wonder what my life's going to be like at that point. And so here's the question. You have no idea. We don't know. Modern medicine or what have you. You might live to 100. I hope you do. How do you thrive? How do you thrive to age 100? From whether you're 29 right now, whether you're 40, whether you're 80, listening to this right now, what do you need to do to thrive to age 100? Yeah, I think it's an important question. You know, the advice that comes to my mind, if we were going to start with financial um, you know, recommendations, I think you need to mentally prepare yourself to work longer, but financially prepare yourself to re- retire sooner. And, you know, someone who's going to live to 100 may need to work to 70 or 75 Mm. just simply because the longer you live, potentially the longer this phase of retirement, that stage of your life is going to be. And, you know, the, the idea of retiring at 62 and then living 38 years in retirement, most people aren't financially ready to do that. Mm. So I, I want you to kind of program your mind right now to think in terms of my career is going to go till age 70, but get yourself ready for it beforehand just in case your health prevents you from working all the way to 70. We actually talked just a couple weeks ago about how most people, the average person, seeks to retire, plans on retiring at 65, but they actually retire at 62 because of health complications. And if I'm looking at the future, which I tend to do, plan on living to 120 and working till you're 85. And technology is going to make that possible because right now we are on the knee of the curve and technology is rapidly changing, the pace of of technology changing and the things that it will be able to do for us medically, it's going to solve a number of physical maladies that are 
kind of the top killers right now. And as those things get solved and people live longer, and a lot of the, the, the jobs that are in place today won't be jobs in the future. When I was a strategic coach, I was there with a guy that ran a chain of supermarkets, and he was talking about how concerned he was about am a Google face and they're <laughs> taking over the world and Amazon goes in and buys out Whole Foods and he's saying, okay, well, Amazon's going to be delivering stuff it with two boxes. One box will be the stuff that they think you want and the other box is to send back what you don't want. Mm, interesting. And so the, the, the rate and change of technology and things in our environment. So I would say, and the other thing I would say is to find a way to be grounded. Maybe we'll get into this in the next segment. Well, we've got uh, a lot more to hit here on how do you thrive, both financially and otherwise. How do you thrive to age 100? And we've got a great question coming up from Rick, very timely, about houses going up for sale and being sold quickly in his neighborhood, what to do about it. We've got that and much more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Green. With This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard, joined by Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for sponsoring the content of the Wise Money Show. So far, we've been talking about this is the 100th episode of Wise Money, and we're now discussing if you're going to turn 100, how do you thrive from whatever age you are right now all the way to age 100? If you have a question, give us a call or text 574-222-2000. Go to wisemoneyradio.com or check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Wise Money Radio. All right. So, Wise Money, the three of us, we are turning 100 today. And the question is, if you reach all the way to age 100, and Kevin even posed a question, likely could be 120. How do you thrive from now until then? What life decisions do you make? What financial decisions do you make? We started by talking about all income sources. I mean, um, Josh and Kevin did the heavy lifting and said, think about working to age 70. Maybe that's the new normal. Kevin said, maybe 80, 85, if you're going to be living to 120. I'm taking the same, a similar approach in my first answer, which is that's all focused on income, working until that time. I think if you're going to have longevity, you really need to be focused on and be careful about the guaranteed sources of income that are in your life. Yeah, you probably will want to and should work longer. But after that, when you're unable to work or you choose not to, what guaranteed sources of income will be around for your entire life, whether that's until age 100 or age 120? One of those is Social Security. So I'd emphasize here how important that decision is and how you shouldn't jump into it lightly and just say, well, I'm going to draw it as soon as I can. Work with a certified financial planner to help you make that decision. But the other That is, could be, by the way, one of the advantages of working till age 70, absolutely. right? Because you're postponing the decision on Social Security to the, the lo- latest possible date. Yep. At age 70 and a half, uh, or 70 rather, you stop... Uh, accruing a bigger and bigger uh, Social Security benefit. So even if you're working 
at age 70, you should turn on Social Security, okay? But the other thing is, what savings are you building up? What nest eggs are you building up that you can convert into guaranteed income? I mean, if you're going to live a long time, you're going to want income that you can't outlive. And I would encourage you to work with a certified financial planner to answer that question for you as well. I would also pay attention to the expense side of your life between now and age 100 as well. And, you know, we've often said that the number one major catastrophic expense that could punch a hole in the side of the ship of your retirement is long-term care. Mm. And I feel like this is something that you need to become crystal clear on what long-term care insurance is, how you're going to deal with this major risk in your life, and come to an informed decision. You need to understand it well enough that you could teach it to someone else and then make your decision. Don't just rule it out based on, wow, it seems expensive or it seems confusing. Uh, figure this out. And if if you don't have the information, if you lack wisdom in this area, then seek the advice of someone who lives and breathes this stuff and can help it help you integrate it into your financial plan. And that's that is very important. I just talked to a friend this past week and his wife's folks both require long-term care. And they were very kind of depressed about the idea that they've accumulated this wealth and now it's going to go to a nursing home Mm -hmm. at about $10,000 a month, which is a pretty healthy clip. So, and they wondered, is there anything we can do about it? And you do want to educate yourself because there are there are things you can do about it. And there are two schools of thought. One school of thought says you saved your whole life to be financially independent. So take what you've saved and stay independent. There's another school of thought that says, well, there are rules and laws that allow you to protect certain assets through certain strategies that are legal. And should I know about those or not? And in my humble opinion, you should absolutely know about them. Whether you take advantage of those or not, that's that's your call. But I'd say know about those. I think the other thing, if I'm going to live to 100, I might take some evening or a Saturday afternoon and go either by myself or with my spouse or significant other and go to a coffee shop and say, okay, if we're going to live to 100, what do what would the hundred year old me be telling me today? Mm. And most people don't have the vision to do that. I met with some folks this week, and I was showing them their financial plan, and we said, "Well, in this scenario, you guys are out of money by eighty five and they were kind of jumping up and down and dancing and saying, "Oh, that's great because there's no way we're going to live to eighty five mm. and mm. And he says, yeah, you know, with my history of heart problems and everything else, there's no way. And yet Casey, our, 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 the futurist for the show, told us today that they just printed the first ever 3D human heart. Mm-hmm. So there, it, there's a paradigm that says, well, my ticker isn't very good and, and I've got valve issues and I'm – there's no way I can live without this medicine or that medicine. You know what? There's medicine that that may at some point solve this stuff. So I would think about what do I want? What is the 100-year-old me saying? And I was thinking, well, for me, the 100-year-old me says make sure that you're exercising and taking care of some of these other things. And there have been lots of studies when you when you look at someone who's, who's 100, who are the happy people at 100? 
And really the happy people that are that at 100 are the people that have satisfying relationships. Now, I know this is a show about money, but I don't think you can ignore that because if you've got a boatload of money and no friends and no deeply satisfying, meaningful relationships, you're, you're just not going to be happy. You have to talk about that on a show about money and wise financial principles because on one end of the spectrum, you've got the individual like me. I have a tendency towards this. I don't want to spend any money. Oh, uh, friends, we can't go out on a double date tonight because I'm not spending money. I've got leftovers in the fridge. Or, hey, honey, uh, we're not doing anything for the anniversary this year because we're not spending any money. On the opposite side, you've got folks who say, I have no idea how much money's in the bank. And if there's nothing, I'll use a credit card. We're going out. We're going to that concert. There's the The right balance is somewhere in the middle. And so I would encourage you, we would encourage you, as you're sitting down with your financial planner, working on your spending habits, your spending plan, build in the entertainment piece into your budget. Make sure it's not too much and keeps you away from your goals, but make sure it's enough to have rich relationships with the people closest to you. And that's where I say the budget, when done right, gives you the freedom to do what you want to do today while also the confidence that you're doing what you need to do for tomorrow. You know, as you guys are talking about rich relationships and kind of meaningful um, bonds with, with other people, it, it makes me think about uh, the, the importance of having an intentionality in who you choose to be in relationship with yeah. and maybe even building the habit of mentorship in your life. Having someone who's a stage or two ahead of you that can kind of pour into your life. Maybe, you know, you're sitting down with someone who already is 100 and learning from them, uh, hearing what lessons they've learned. They've got time and, and maybe energy still to pour into you. But then do you have relationships that are peer relationships that can kind of hold you accountable to your plans in life? And finally, do you have someone that you're investing into as well? When, you, when your life isn't just all about you, it is richer, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And uh, t- to me, that makes living to 100 sound a whole lot more fun. You know what is, it seems like a key ingredient there, and, and I believe one of the core guiding principles you need to have in your financial life is humility. I mean, what Josh mm-hmm. just said, I mean, you've, you've got to be able to listen to someone who's older and, and has run more miles than you, and, and hopefully apply whatever truth they're they're providing to you. You've got to have the humility to to cross the aisle and talk to your peers and develop a relationship with them. And then hopefully the humility to pour into someone who's different than you, who thinks differently, whose life is structured a little bit differently. Gosh, that that is all humility there. And yep, I, I certainly would wish that upon you in order to thrive to 100. I'm going to tuck one last one in there. In order to thrive, who are you serving? It may be that mentor relationship Josh just mentioned, but who are you serving? I find that I have the most joy in my life when I am spending my time serving others. So we've got a great question from Rick coming up about should you sell your house right now? Housing market, or at least his neighborhood's really hot, is now the time to sell. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today, spending part of your weekend with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. If you've missed anything, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there. You can also catch up on previous episodes. Lastly, if you subscribe to podcasts, I would encourage you to subscribe to ours. You can find it on Google Play and on iTunes uh, by searching Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Lastly, if you have a question, you can also text or call us, 574-222-2000. We are transitioning into listener questions. We've got a great one from fan of the show, Rick. Here's what he asked. My neighbor put his house on the market a few weeks ago, and they wound up getting three offers the same day, sold it the next day. Wow. Congratulations to them. Uh, that got my wife and I wondering if now is the right time to sell our house. What do you guys think? What are some of the issues that we should factor in to making that important decision? I, I feel like I'm getting that question more and more from clients. Are you, are you hearing that one? I am, but I think it's it's first, you know, we, we wherever you're at, as you're listening to this, your housing, your neighborhood, your area might be strong. It might not be strong. I think at, in general... Things are getting stronger, but the type of house you live in, the the area, the neighborhood, if you've got land, if you if you're in a subdivision, all of that plays into it. But I think overall, it is getting a little stronger with pockets really strong. Well, you, I mean, you hear enough stories about bidding wars happening on a house, and it gets you thinking, man, man, maybe we need to cash in on this deal. Yep. But the the problem is, if the economics allowed you to get top dollar for selling your house most likely those same economics are going to cause you to pay top dollar when you move to the next house. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw your question, Rick. Yep. I actually think of this, though, not as an investment decision. I've shared this before. I heard a a new definition of what an investment is, and it kind of resonated with me. But an investment, according to this author, is something that um, will either grow in value or kick off income to you and you'll sell it when you're when it's achieved its purpose. Mm. And the problem, if if you were to apply that definition to a house, when does a house stop, or, or when does it actually achieve its purpose? If its purpose is to be your residence, a place where you lay your head at night and where you raise your family and so on, when is it ever done doing that? Mm. So to me, I I don't encourage people to think of their house as a true investment that they're going to cash in on but rather think of it as a lifestyle asset that has a purpose, it's serving a function in your life. And if it stops serving that function, if, if you know, you're tired of cleaning so much house or you need to be in a little bit different school system or there's some other reason for you to change houses, great. But that's all a lifestyle decision. That's not the market's hot, let's sell while we can. Yeah, and I would encourage you for sure to talk to a realtor because when you're trying to make these decisions, seek wisdom. Seek wisdom from a professional that does this all day, every day. And we've lived in six different houses since we moved to the area in 1993. And we have done well on the houses that we bought 
from the owners because they didn't <laughs> they didn't want to have a realtor involved and so we bought it from the owners and when we sold them of course we had a realtor involved and the price that we were able to get for those houses was significantly more than what we actually bought it for but i would not you know along the lines of what you were saying Josh i wouldn't think of your house as an investment because you it, it really your house is a liability every month you're basically when you look at property tax you could make a case you're just renting that land from the government oh makes me so, want to throw so up. You, you have to pay property taxes you have utilities you have all these other things so you have these expenses and so the question is does it facilitate what i'm trying to do mm. and if not then then moving would would come into question but i wouldn't look at just the financial aspects to say is this a time to move or not. Now, if you're an empty nester and there are rooms that you haven't been into in your house in four months, you might say, hey, let's get a different house. I've had some folks that recently sold their house, had a little bit of a mortgage on it, but they took their cash balance and bought a house completely mortgage-free. And I say, okay, that was a good move. Yeah, that's disciplined right there. Yeah. A lot of people, when they go to downsize the house, they buy just as expensive of a house they end up with just as much mortgage. Uh, it's smaller, but it's just, it's nicer, it's fresher, it's newer or whatever. Well, so I, it sounds I think, like they made a wise choice. I think that's the temptation here with, with you, Rick. I mean, if you're in an area where the the house, the housing market is hot and you could sell it for more, sell your house and more than what you th- for more than what you thought it's worth, that is tempting. But for most people, the tendency is to then get something nicer. And likely that's gonna come at a higher price tag as well. And so I, I, I would agree with, with Josh and, and Kevin and um, look at it more from a practical and overall financial mindset. How it intersects with, your, with the rest of the areas of your financial life and your overall financial plane, as opposed to an emotional one. Right. Where houses, I know, they're just, it's an emotional decision because you live there and it, it, it shows a little bit of who you are in a material way and but but resist that be humble resist that and make the decision from a financial standpoint yeah anything in a vacuum can make sense so making this in the context of the rest of your financial plan sitting down with your planner make sure they're certified and and figuring out is this the best financial thing for me to do now that might not be the only driver that may but that should be at least a component of the decision making process so what i what i'm hearing is if you're going to downsize or if you've reached a stage in life where this house is no longer it serves the purpose that you now need in a house then certainly capitalize on this high market but if it's just because hey the price is now higher than what i thought the house was worth we should capitalize on that if you're going to just turn around and spend all that or more and there's really no reason for you to sell other than that then i wouldn't i wouldn't do it now speaking kevin said um uh, driving and we're talking about emotional assets we've got a uh, a question here from Jenny about the other big emotional uh, purchase people make. Jenny's 41 from Mishawaka. She said, I'm starting to feel like I need to replace my car. It has about 100,000 miles on it, and I've had to fix up a couple issues in the past year. What's the best approach to buying a new vehicle? When is a good time, and how do I structure the finances? I'm going to kick it off because I just, I just dealt with this with a client of mine. And I'll just tell you, he works in the medical field. And he has very strong income. His car 
was 23 years old and it had reached 300,000 miles. That is awesome. And initially I say, oh, only car guys or car gals can do that where you know how to fix it. He, he has no idea what the you know carburetor belt or the what did, Kevin always has some good jokes uh, the muffler bearings <laughs> yeah so <laughs> he has no idea about that and yet was able to take care of his car now it had you you had to um, it didn't have power windows you had to crank it was the old crank deal the radio had stopped working and of course no CD player or whatever and he drove that thing until it was done and so I would I would encourage you Jenny you start by saying I'm feeling like. Well, there might be a practical reason why, okay, now is the right time. But I'd also challenge the original entrenched belief that, well, once it hurts this point, I feel like I need a new one. That's right. There is a mentality out there that at 100,000 miles, the car is going to self-destruct. And, you know, a generation or two ago, that was maybe true. But now cars will go a whole lot longer isn't, than... Isn't that crazy? They used to make things so much better. And a lot, I mean, ovens and, and a lot of different things. It used to be made better. But cars do seem like they're made better today. On the late 70s, early 80s, it, it, before 100,000 miles, it's rusted out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a Flintstone mobile. <laughs> you know what, though? Isn't there also a mentality, though, that if I have to go put $1,000 worth of maintenance or repairs into my car, uh, you know, I'm probably better off signing up for $3,000 a year worth of payments instead. Right. There is. Right? Yep. And I, I say, no way. If, if you believe that if your car was dead tomorrow... It wouldn't start. It's it's can't even be revived, and you were going to be able to squeeze in a two hundred and fifty dollar a month payment into the budget. Then why not begin a dress rehearsal for that right now? Mm. Start saving that two hundred and fifty. That's going to force its way into your life soon. Start doing it proactively, and in a sense, you're kind of proving to yourself that it fits. And then also you're building up down payment or maybe even enough cash eventually to go just write the check and buy it outright. Yep, I love it. That's great advice. Hopefully that helps you, Jenny. Thank you for the question. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.